Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can always learn more about the vision or get financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. For those of you who didn't know, Kevin, he was the one sitting here in the middle. He's the guy in the middle. So that's right. We got a Kevin now and a Tevin, right? If my brother was here, we would have a Tevin, Kevin, and Evan. We'd be a triple threat. Woo! Right? Well, hey, my name is Tevin Sims, and like you heard, I get to be the groups pastor here. What that means is we have small groups that meet throughout the week where groups that get together in homes, and coffee shops, they open up the Word of God, they study God's word, they do life with one another. We believe that we grow best in our faith through relationship. And so I love what I get to be a part of and helping people get connected into community and seeing what God does in and through people in our groups. And if you're new with us today, I want to say thank you for being here. Maybe you're new online. Thank you for tuning in. You know, I hope today what you realize is that, and I hope what you hear is good news, not bad news, good news about a God who loves you. And I hope that you're encouraged, and I hope you realize when you leave this place today that you realize that you belong here. We're glad that you're with us. So you heard Haley and Zoe mention earlier that, hey, we are starting a new series, Getting to Give. Getting to Give, and it is my privilege. Our pastor, Pastor Brandon, has given me the opportunity to kick off our new series, and I am going to be introing What is Giving Got to Do With Me? That's the title of the message today. What's Giving Got to Do With Me? Right In these next three weeks, you heard we're going to be talking about it in groups. We're going to be looking at what is our perspective towards giving? What does God have to say about tithing? And then what, how can we go above and beyond in our generosity? Right. And so today we're going to be looking at giving. Give is one of our core values. As a church, we believe that we give our time, our talent, and our treasure. Right. We give because we serve a generous God, a God who is giving within his nature. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul writes in verse 1, he says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus that through, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. 
For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply yours. That there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Pray with me. God, as we open up your word, as we look at what you would have to say about giving, what would you have to say about generosity? God, we are encountering you. These are your words. And I pray that as we look at what you would have to say, God, I pray that our hearts would be changed. That we would leave this place different. That we would leave with a focus on you. With a heart that is aligned with you. With a perspective that is from heaven. God, that we would ultimately be people who are generous. People who excel in the act of giving. God, use me to speak your word, communicate your word. God, not my words, but your words, God. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So November is here, which means that we are getting ready to approach the holiday season, or some may say the giving season, right? And I want to remind everybody here that the holiday season, the giving season, it begins it begins, it begins with Thanksgiving, okay? Yep, I got some claps, amen, amen, amen. So I want to remind everybody here who maybe you have already moved right past Thanksgiving, you are already on to Christmas. I was in Starbucks this week. No, 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 no. I was in Starbucks this week and they were already clearing all the old cups and putting out Christmas stuff and I'm thinking to myself, what is going on? We just hit November. Right? You guys remember Jess Lanier? Chris and Jess. Jess texted me last weekend. I kid you not. On Halloween, she texted me and said, Hey, you got to listen to Tori Kelly's new Christmas album. It's amazing. She knows I love Tori Kelly. So I was like, Oh, absolutely. I love Tori Kelly. Got a great voice. So I started listening to it last weekend, last Saturday on Halloween. I started listening to it. And I'm at my house and I'm like, This is wrong. What am I doing? I felt dirty. I felt wrong. I stopped. Silent Night just does not hit the same. Before Thanksgiving, it just doesn't, right? I'm here to say we got to put some respect back on the name of Thanksgiving, right? Amen. Amen, right? I want somebody to throw some Thanksgiving cups at Starbucks. You know, I want somebody to drop a Thanksgiving album. You know what I'm talking about? Gosh. The holiday season, though, right? The giving season. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm some Scrooge or something. I love Christmas, but just I'm there on Friday. The day after Thanksgiving, I am all in, right? Now, by show of hands, raise your hand if you have already decorated for Christmas, already got your tree up. Some of y'all were just like, quick. Oh, oh. that's all right. Everybody take, take notice. We'll pray for you at the end of service. You need a thankful heart this year. You need a thankful heart. The holiday season is great. Why? Because of the traditions. Maybe you get to see family and loved ones that you haven't seen all year. It's the most wonderful time of year, right? The giving season. People are typically in a better mood. They're nicer. They'll hold the door for you. They'll speak to you. They're more kind. They serve like with charities and nonprofits. They even, people are even more prone to to give, to be generous in this season. The giving season. I would like to say as Jesus followers, as the church, Even though culture has defined these next few months as the giving season, as Jesus followers, we are to always be in a giving season. 
We should always have a giving perspective. And as we intro getting to give, I know for some of you, you may feel some tension right now. Because like I said, give is one of our core values as a church. We give of our time, talent, and treasure. You're already thinking to yourself, Tevin, I don't have much time to give. I don't really have any talents. I can't sing like those guys on stage or I sure don't have any money to give. And what I want you to realize is, hey, I understand that. And I want to say we're all in this together. Some of the tensions that I have, the struggle sometimes with giving is because I focus on what I do not have. And I think to myself, I can't give because I don't have much to offer. And what I end up doing is I say, hey, I don't have as much time as this person. And I start comparing. And I say, I'm not as good at that like that person. So how could God use me? I, I don't have as much money as the next person in front of me. I don't have anything to give, God. But my prayer and hope is that we would shift our perspective and not focus on what we lack, but look at what we do have. And believe that God cares about every single dollar that is given to his house. He cares about every single second. And he has gifted each and every one of us with a certain talent, with a certain skill, with a passion, a desire that he can use for his kingdom. And as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to look at some Macedonians, some Christians in the church. And I hope that today that your perspective is shifted like mine was this week as I was preparing this message. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is the writer of this letter to the Corinthian church. It's called 2 Corinthians because it's, in fact, his second letter to the Corinthian church. The first letter, relationship is great. Things are going well. By the time that Paul reaches 2 Corinthians, what has happened is there's been some false teachers that have come into the church, and they start to write mean things on Twitter and Facebook about Paul. They start to attack his character. They start to say, is Paul really even an apostle? Paul doesn't really care about you guys. All he cares about is money. Like Paul's not the real deal. And so it started to divide the church. Now, Paul, because in their time, they could not just jump on the phone. He couldn't just send a text out. He couldn't just post something on Facebook. He couldn't record a video and send it to everybody. Paul begins to write this letter. Now, Paul in 2 Corinthians has to reestablish, has to restore a relationship with the Corinthian church. He takes 13 chapters to do so. And out of the 13 chapters, two of them, chapter 8 and chapter 9, he intentionally talks about giving and generosity. Now, if I'm Paul, if I'm trying to reestablish a relationship, say me and Makai here are on bad terms, we're not seeing eye to eye, it's probably not wise for me to go up to Makai and trying to restore our relationship that I start talking about money, right? Makai, I know we're not seeing eye to eye. I know we got some tensions between us, but can I borrow 100 bucks? That's probably not the best thing to do, right? Now, Paul doesn't ask and talk about money right from the jump, but when he gets to chapter 8 and chapter 9, what has happened is there's been Jews in Jerusalem who are in need. And these Corinthians, they said that, hey, we want to help, we want to give towards them and provide for their needs. A year has passed. A year has passed, and they have not given that money yet. So Paul addresses it and says, hey, I know when you guys said you wanted to give that money, your hearts were in the right place. I know it was sincere. I know it was genuine. But now I'm just asking to just follow through with it. Show them that you love them by giving to them and being there for them. He says, you're you're great at a lot of things, but I want you to excel in generosity as well. And I love when we get to chapter eight, 
how Paul brings up giving, how he encourages the Corinthian church is where we're going to focus today. And I believe as we look at the churches in Macedonia, what we'll see is three things that will help shape our perspective on giving and towards giving. What's giving got to do with me? What's giving got to do with me? Remember, we're all in this together. Let's read verses one through four again. Second Corinthians chapter eight says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, and as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Am I reading that right? I can't make this up. It's literally in the Bible. Did y'all catch it? We'll throw it up on the screen again. Paul says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Anybody else read that and just say, that's kind of weird? My first observation today is that giving doesn't make sense. Giving doesn't make sense. I read that this week and I'm like, are these people even normal? Because if it was me, if I were part of that church, what would have, I would have said is, hey, there was a severe test of affliction, which resulted in pain and misery. And there was extreme poverty. And the result of that was, hey, I'm going to get mine and I'm going to worry about me and my family mentality. That only makes sense, right? Paul says that they gave according to their means. And then they gave even beyond that. Now, now, I'm no financial advisor, but that doesn't sound like good math, right? It doesn't make sense. Severe test of affliction, an abundance of joy, extreme poverty, overflow of wealth of generosity. Who are these people? Who are these people? Sometimes when I read the Bible, I'm like, why does my not life not look like that, Right? Because if I'm being honest, you talk about severe test of affliction. A couple months ago, guys, I was in my apartment, and I fell down the stairs in our apartment. I mean, I slipped at the first, first step, and I bumped all the way down to the bottom, all the way to the floor. And my wife, Shelby, she was behind me just laughing like, oh, 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 right? And you talk about affliction. My tailbone hurt for so, it hurt for three weeks. It was, it was painful. Like, I was slow to get up. I was slow to sit down. You're like, you know how you make sure the seat's there? And I'm like, ooh, I got to make sure it's a soft seat, right? Severely. Now, people tell me I can be dramatic at times. That's what my wife Shelby says. I can be dramatic, but you can judge me today or you can pray for me, okay? Because in that moment, that pain, I was needing somebody to stand in the gap for me and pray, right? I didn't know if I was going to make it. Now, again, I, I know I can be dramatic at times, but let's just say this. Some of you, this week, this holiday season, this giving season, you're going to get in your car, and you're going to hit traffic, and you're going to become a different person, right? You know what I'm talking about. That person cuts you off, or they beat you to the parking spot as you're trying to go Christmas shopping, and you're going to cuss them out because they can't hear you, but he does, right? And that's why some of you don't have awakened stickers on your car. Oh, I know why you don't have a sticker on your car. Oh, we know. We know, because you don't want to cut people off and be like, awakened church did it, right? Yep, I know. I know, but it wasn't just one church. It was a bunch of churches in Macedonia. It was a bunch of churches. Severe test of affliction, extreme poverty, abundance of joy, overflow of wealth of generosity. It does not 
make sense that they would give above and beyond what they had. But look at this, look at this. In verse four, I can't make this up, it's right here. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. These Christians are trying to tell us something. They counted giving as a privilege. Paul says, hey, they begged us. They asked for it. We didn't ask them for money, but they were begging us. They wouldn't leave us alone. Paul, please, please, we know we don't have any money, but what we do have, let us give it. That's some perspective right there. Do I view giving like that? These Macedonians considered it a privilege. It was an honor. It was a joy to take part, to give towards the relief of saints in Jerusalem. A lot of times I don't view giving like that, if I'm being honest. It's a have to. It's an obligation for me. Or I give with strings attached, expecting something in return. That's just a business deal. These Macedonians give with no strings attached. Their giving does not make sense. They considered it a privilege, a joy, an honor to give. Do you consider giving that way? Do you consider giving an honor, a privilege? Now, what set these Christians apart? Because they believe in Jesus just like you and just like me. They believe in the same Jesus, have the same spirit living inside of them. What set them apart? If we go to verse 5, Paul says, In this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. The next observation is that giving starts with God. Giving starts with God. Paul says that, hey, we didn't expect this, but they first gave themselves over to the Lord. And I love how the message translation says it says they gave themselves over to the Lord first and then the other giving simply overflowed. Are you talking about time? You're talking about talent? You're talking about treasure? Oh, that's the other giving. The first giving, though, is giving ourselves away to the Lord as a living sacrifice. That's the first giving. Giving starts with God. Giving starts with God. So now giving is no longer part of our will. It's no longer out of obligation. It's no longer uh, we feeling we have to, but it's simply a response, an appropriate response to what God has already done in our life. We believe that we serve a generous God. How generous? John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting Life, that's how generous. We just sing a song, the blessing. What's the blessing in our lives? Is it material things? Is it nice cars? Is it more square footage and all the money the world has to offer? Nope, that's not what God's talking about. It's the fact that he is now present in our lives. His presence, he walks with us. He talks with us. We get to be in relationship with him. The blessing is that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. We are now made right with God if we just believe and receive the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's that simple. And now because of that, giving is an appropriate response. If God does not do another thing, he has already done enough. He's already done enough. He's already done enough. Now, I grew up in a little church in the upstate, a little Baptist church in what would happen is before service, we would have a service before the service. Now we don't do that here. Imagine that like before you came today at 11 o'clock, you had a, a service that was already happening like prior to the service even starting. 
So that's what we have. We get out of Sunday school, and then we have another. We have service, and then have another service. And so we come out, and what would happen is they would start singing songs and open up the Word of God, and they go for about twenty minutes or so. And some of the older people in the church they get up and they be open mic and they start sharing their testimony. And we call them cliches or Christianese now, little sayings, but they're statements. They're now cliches, but they're, they're statements that are actually true. That's why they became cliches, or that's why they became Christianese sayings, right? People would get up and they would grab the mic and they say, time does not permit to tell you how good the Lord has been to me. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. They would get up and say, God has been good to me. How good? He woke me up this morning. He started me on my way. He put shoes on my feet. He put clothes on my back. He put food on the table. I had no money, but he made a way when there was no way. He's a way maker. Won't he do it? Y'all, y'all, don't make me go back to church in promised land. I'll take you back, right? It's so funny. I said in the first service, and what I didn't realize as a kid, and I realize it now, what I was listening to was grace in people's lives. Listening to a testimony of what God had done in people's lives. My mom texted me after the 915 service that you, oh, you actually were listening to church, huh? <laughs> yes, I was, mom. Yes, I was. Now, we don't do that here at Awaken, but when we celebrate baptisms, what happens before every single baptism? There's a story that's shared. There's a testimony that's shared. What we are listening to, what we are experiencing is the grace of God in people's lives. Look what God has done. What has God done for you? Answer that question. Reflect on it. What has God done for you? Let that be the place that your giving comes from. Not obligation. Giving starts with God. Giving starts with God. Let's go to verse 15. Paul says in verse 15, as it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. Whoever gathered little had no lack. The third and final observation we see from these Christians is that giving is about faith. Giving is about faith. Now, what is Paul talking about here in verse 15? Paul is referencing the Old Testament. See, in the Old Testament, what happened was God's people For 40 years, they were in the wilderness, and God will provide manna from heaven. Have you heard the story of manna? I'm not talking about a cup of manna in Somerville. I'm talking about manna from heaven, all right? That was for my Somerville people. He would provide manna from heaven, and they described this manna. It was basically like frosted flakes. I kid you not. Go read it for yourself. It said it was flake-like. It was frosted. It was sweet to the taste. And for 40 years, God provided manna for his people. Can you imagine for 40 years growing up? Can you imagine being a parent? Can you imagine every single day walking out of your tent and God providing manna on the ground for you to eat every single day for 40 years? And the only thing God said was, hey, only take what you can eat. Only take what you can eat because people would try to gather a lot and try to gather more. And what would happen is it would get infested with worms and they would get sick. And he says, only take what you can eat. Why? He was telling them to have faith. Take what you can eat. And the next day, I'll provide again. I'll provide again. And for 40 days, that's what God did. He provided for his people manna from heaven. He provided their needs. Now, I'm going to talk about money right here. 
Anytime God references money in the Bible, he's not thinking about money like you and I think about money. God always connected money to our hearts. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. There's a connection between money and faith. One of the ways that me and my wife express our faith is through the area of our finances. It's through our finances. Now, in Exodus 16, what I love is that it said that some, some gathered more than others, and some gathered less. Now, do me and my wife have a lot of money? No, we do not. There are people who make more money than us. Are there people who give more than us? Absolutely. But it's not about equal giving, but equal sacrifice. And God cares about every single dollar that is given to his house. You don't believe me? Go to Mark chapter 12. Jesus is sitting in the temple. And as Jesus is sitting in the temple with his disciples, they're watching people bring their offering, bring their giving in. The wealthy and the rich come in and they are making a scene with their giving. It's a bunch of coins. And can you imagine if I just had a bunch of coins up here and the noise and the echo in the room that would be and people would see this and think, oh, my goodness, they are giving so much money. And after they walked away, a widow comes up with her offering. and It wasn't much. and She gives it away. And Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I tell you this, she's giving far more than all those wealthy people. Why? Because they give out of their abundance. But she's given all that she has. Don't tell me God doesn't see every single dollar that's given. Giving is about faith. For 40 years, the people of God had to trust that God was going to provide for their needs. Now, did the faith start when they got to the promised land or where they were going? No, it started in the wilderness. And for 40 years, they had to have faith. Does giving start once we get, once we receive? No. The Macedonians broke that logic. They didn't have any money. Paul was very clear in that. They were broke. Extreme poverty. Yet they gave according to their means and they said, we're going to give even more. Giving is about faith. Giving is about faith. When me and my wife give, it's because we have faith that God is going to provide for our needs. This happened this week. I'm preparing this message, talking about money, talking about stuff. And I was preparing this message, and no lie, in the middle of the week, my wife, she texted me, and when I got home, and she said, I got a bonus from my job. We weren't looking for it. She's a teacher, and we got this bonus, and she said, she said, I don't know where it came from. Weren't expecting it, and we looked at each other, and knowing that I was preparing this message, talking about giving, and I can't, I can't make this stuff up. We looked at each other and said, this is God's provision in our lives. Weren't asking for it, weren't looking for it. May not seem like a lot, but guess what? We trust God with our finances. He provides every single one of our needs. Now, are we driving in super nice cars and do we have all the money in the world? No, but we have no needs. Our bills are paid for. We're able to put food on the table have clothes on our backs, a roof over our head. Malachi 3.10, it's the only place in Scripture where God says to test him in the tithe. Test me in the tithe and see, see if I don't open up heaven and blessings providing for your needs. Paul says in Philippians 4.19, he says, and my God, 
will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Giving is about faith. Giving is about faith. What's giving got to do with me? In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul's continuing to talk about giving to the Corinthian church. And he says, God supplies seed to the sower. He supplies seed to the sower so that they can sow the seed. And if they'll just sow the seed, if we'll just sow the seed, God will supply more seed for more sowing. And he will multiply the harvest. He will multiply it and it will result in a bunch of people saying this. Thanks be to God. I wonder if God is looking at us here at Awaken Church and saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me with your time? Will you trust me with your talent? Will you trust me with your finances? Will you trust me? Will you have faith? Hebrews 11.6 says that it's impossible to please God without faith. Another scripture in the Old Testament says that God searches, he scans, he looks over the earth looking for people who are fully committed to him, people who have faith. What if the change that we want to see in this city, the change that you want to see in that coworker, in that neighbor, in that family member begins with how we give? What if it begins with how we give? Paul told the Corinthians, you excel at a lot of great stuff. You excel at teaching. You excel at knowledge. You excel at all these things. But I want you to excel in the act of giving, in the act of generosity. Why? Why? Because there's a dying world out there who needs to hear this story about a Savior who left his throne in heaven and dwelt among us and lived a life that you and I could not live and died a death that you and I deserved. And he hung on a cross and he was between two thieves and one thief mocked him and the other thief said, I believe in you, Jesus. Will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he was taken off of that cross and he was put in, in a tomb and on the third day he rose, defeating hell, death in the grave and sin on top of that. That's the message we got to get out. And if God so chooses to use our generosity, our giving, to be an example to the world that he is a good God and he takes care of his children. Who are we to get in the way of that? Lord, our lives are yours. We're living sacrifice. Use us. What I have, it does not belong to me. It belongs to you, God. Now here in a few minutes, Sean, our executive pastor is going to come up and he's going to talk about this book, The Generosity Ladder. It's a short read. It's an easy read and everyone's going to get one on their way out. He's going to share some practical next steps of what it looks like to give. But before he does, let me ask you, what would it look like if we all gave of our time, our talent, and our treasure? I know you may be thinking, but Tevin... I'm trying to do the numbers. I'm thinking about, I, I don't have much time. I don't have any talents. I, I'm really not good at anything. I don't have a lot of money. I'm trying to run the numbers, but it's just not adding up. It doesn't seem like I have a lot in my hands. Let me, let me help you. Don't look at what you don't have. But focus on what you do have. And trust God there. Start there. 
Start there. I know it looks like a little in your hands, but let me tell you who we're giving this to. We're giving it to the God who spoke words and then creation was set in motion. We're talking about the God who spoke a couple words and there were stars. We're talking about the God who said, let there be light and there was light. We're talking about the God in Ephesians 3.20 says, I can do abundantly more, abundantly more, immeasurably more, anything that you can think, ask, or imagine. So don't tell me what you have in your hands seems like a little because we serve a big God who can take our little and do immeasurably more, immeasurably more. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that, church? Will you stand with me? Stand with me and pray. God, you're a generous God. And your word tells us we love you not because of our will, not because of we're the initiators, but because you first loved us. That's why we love you. And so God, in these moments, in these moments, God, let our focus be on you. You are a good God and what you have done on the cross through Jesus is enough. It is enough. We are now able to be in right standing with you because of the work of the cross. And so for that, we say thank you. For that, we praise you. Let that be the place of our giving. Let that be the place of our generosity. Let that be the start of our perspective. Let that be in our hearts all the days that we live on this earth. And God, I speak this over awakened church right now. When people look at in at the people of Awakened Church, when people look at the people here, let them say they are selling a lot of great things, but they excel in the act of giving. They excel in the act of generosity. Let that be said about us, Lord. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, you've done enough. You've provided for all of our needs, and we trust you. Let us have faith from this day forward, from this day forward, from this day forward. God, you, you have started a work in us, and you're going to be faithful to complete it. God, if you are for us, who can be against us? God, we love you. We trust you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.